Our second reading um, this morning begins at Acts chapter 22, verse 22. Uh, the text of it is is in your bulletin, but there's an exception to the text in the bulletin, and that is verse 8 in chapter 23. So uh, I think the ERV translation is actually wrong in that verse, and so I've switched it out. Uh, I'm going to read that one verse to you in the ESV translation, but the rest of it will be in the ERV translation. So you've been warned. Here we go. Hear the word of God. The people stopped listening when Paul said this last thing. They all shouted, get rid of this man. He doesn't deserve to live. They kept on shouting, ripping off their clothes and throwing dust into the air. Then the commander told the soldiers to take Paul into the army building and beat him. He wanted to make Paul tell why the people were shouting against him like this. So the soldiers were tying Paul, preparing to beat him. But he said to an army officer there, Do you have the right to beat a Roman citizen who has not been proven guilty? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and told him about it. The officer said, Do you know what you're doing? This man is a Roman citizen. The commander came to Paul and said, Tell me, are you really a Roman citizen? He answered, yes. The commander said, I paid a lot of money to become a Roman citizen. But Paul said, I was born a citizen. The men who were preparing to question Paul moved away from him immediately. The commander was afraid because he already put Paul in chains and he was a Roman citizen. The next day, the commander decided to learn why the Jews were accusing Paul, so he ordered the leading priest and the whole high council to meet together. He had Paul's chains taken off, and he had him brought in to face the council. Paul looked at the council members and said, Brothers, I have lived my life in a good way before God. I have always done what I thought was right. Ananias, the high priest, was there. When he heard this, he told the men who were standing near Paul to hit him in the mouth. Paul said to Ananias, God will hit you too. You are like a dirty wall that's been painted white. You sit there and judge me using the law of Moses, but you are telling them to hit me, and that is against the law. Then the man standing near Paul said to him, Are you sure you want to insult God's high priest like that? Paul said, Brothers, I did not know this man was the high priest. The scriptures say you must not say bad things about the leader of your people. Paul knew that some of the men in the council meeting were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. So he shouted, My brothers, I am a Pharisee and my father was a Pharisee. I am on trial here because I believe that people will rise from death. When Paul said this, a big argument started between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The group was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. All these Jews began shouting louder and louder. Some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued, We find nothing wrong with this man. Maybe an angel or a spirit really did speak to him. The argument turned into a fight. And the commander was afraid that the Jews would tear Paul to pieces. So he told the soldiers to go down 
and take Paul away from these Jews and put him in the army building. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father God, for your word, we give you thanks. We pray this morning that you would send us your Holy Spirit so that the same Spirit which inspired these words to be written and preserved them down through the centuries would open our ears and open our hearts to receive what it is that you would have us hear and know and act on this day. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So... um, We have this story this morning about the uh, Apostle Paul. You recall that uh, he's gone down to Jerusalem and uh, there's been a ruckus uh, and he makes a public defense uh, on the steps of the um, police barracks. That was last week. And now this week, he's been hauled in front of the Jewish council. And the Pharisees are there, and the Sadducees are there. All of the religious rulers are there. Um, and uh, he gives a defense about what he's done, what he's done there. All right. Now, Paul ends up, well, actually, we're going we're gonna to get the defense next week, but that's the setup. Paul uh, exploits the situation by recognizing that there are both Pharisees and Sadducees in the room, and he lifts up a point that's important for Christians, but that the Pharisees and the Sadducees disagree about, namely the resurrection from the dead. Okay, We've talked about it a number of times, that the core to the gospel is the belief in the resurrection. And by resurrection, we don't mean something airy, fairy, merely spiritual. We mean dead bodies stop being dead. Okay, dead bodies being glorified and living and living forever. The the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, the Pharisees did. Many Pharisees became Christians, uh, and I don't know how many Sadducees uh, became Christians. And in fact, the Sadducees sort of go away. They end up not being part of the story after after the destruction of the temple in seventy A.D. I want to just turn our attention uh, to that verse that I gave you in a different translation. This is verse 8 of chapter 23. For the, Fer- for the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And I wanted to reflect on this a little bit, and I wanted to talk about angels. Okay, uh, angels are part of what it is, uh, part of, uh, what it is that we believe in as Christians. And so, uh, the purpose of this sermon really was to kind of give you a, a, an angels 101 introduction into what it is that scripture teaches about angels. I'm not going to be able to do all of that, but let me uh, offer at least a few, a few highlights. Now, the existence of angels is crystal clear from Scripture. More than half of the books uh, in Scripture mention angels. What's important to notice about the discussion of angels in the Bible is the Bible never tries to prove angels exist. It just assumes that they do. And now let me tell you a story about it. This angel. Okay, so nobody who's writing in scripture thinks that it's in any way, uh, uncertain that there are, uh, angels. Okay, so I think it's, it's, uh, like 34 out of 66 books of the Bible mention angels. Okay, Jesus teaches about angels. Uh, you'll remember, 
uh, Jesus saying to Peter, this is after Peter had cut the ear off of uh, the guy that had come to arrest Jesus. Uh, Jesus says to Peter, do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12,000 angels? Okay, so Bible talks about angels. Jesus believes in angels. And so if we believe that the Bible is the word of God, then we also believe in angels. If we believe that Jesus told the truth, then we also believe in angels. Now, the Sadducees deny resurrection, uh, spirit, and angels. And you might want to think about what it is that ties those three things together. In what way are resurrection and spirit and angels related to each other? And why would there be people who are very religious, but who don't believe in these supernatural things? Okay, These are religious, but not supernatural Jews. Sadducees are ancient people, of course. Sometimes uh, people will tell you that, oh, you know, we don't believe in angels and we don't believe in the resurrection because we're modern scientific people. What I want you to understand is, is that there were ancient people who also didn't believe in these things. So this is not an issue of science or being modern. In each age, there have been some people who believed in the supernatural and some people who don't believe in the supernatural. Okay. Pharisees did believe, Christians do believe, the Sadducees didn't believe. So, you know, we oftentimes uh, hear uh, concern about being Pharisaical. You know, Christians don't want to be Pharisaical, by which we mean, you know, like overly precise about the law. But I would argue that uh, even more than worrying about being Pharisaical, we should be worried about being Sadduceical. We don't want to be like these Sadducees who had a form of religion, who liked to be in worship, who liked to you know, sing the songs and do the prayers, but didn't actually believe in anything supernatural. Okay? Christianity is a supernatural religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not just a bunch of pretty words. It's about something that is pointing to things that are beyond this world. All right, so we as Christians, we believe in spirits, we believe in angels, and we believe that dead bodies one day will come up out of the grave and stop being dead. So let's see. Oh boy, the time is ticking. So uh, let me talk about the when were they made? Okay, when when were angels created? Uh, well, let me take one step back. The thing to notice about angels in the Bible is, is that, again, the Bible uh, never argues in uh, about the angels, but simply talks about them as though uh, they are already there. So there, there's no section in the Bible where there is like a theology of angels presented or an angelology. Uh, so we have to uh, uh, deduce things from, from here and there. Um, in Exodus 20, 11, we read, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that was in them in the heavens and the earth and the sea. So that verse would suggest that angels who are in heaven were made during the first six days. Okay, that angels were created along with the rest of this this stuff. 
Ah, there's another verse, though, in the Bible that suggests that maybe the angels were there before the creation. This is Job 38, 7, where God speaking now, he says, On what were earth's foundations set, and who laid its cornerstone, while the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy? So in, in, in that poem that's part of the book of Job, the, there is this image of the angels witnessing the creation of our universe and singing to God about it. So maybe that's true too. What I think is important to recognize, uh, even if we don't know when the angels were created, is that, is that they were created. Okay? Angels are not gods. They're not the equivalent of God. They had a beginning in time. They were made. And so they're creatures just like we are creatures. Uh, Angels are part of God's creation. Now, here's something that's very perplexing uh, and actually touches on the kind of the physics of angels. So when we make a distinction between spirit and matter, we're making a distinction between things that don't take up space and things that do take up space. Things that are made out of matter, like you, take up space. Okay, And you're located in space. So for example... You and another person cannot sit in the same pew at the same time in the same place. Alright? We fill up space. Spirits, however, are not this way. Now, they're this way in one regard in that they are located in space, but they don't take up space. God is... Pure spirit, he neither takes up space nor is he located in space, but angels are located in space. They are some place. How do we know this? Because when Jesus casts out demons, which are fallen angels, they go from being here to being there. When the demoniac that Jesus casts out a legion of demons from, uh, At the time of his demon possession, the demons are in him, and then after, they're sent into the swine, and the swine go over the cliff. Okay? So, if they're in the swine, they're not in the man. And if they're in the man, they're not in the swine. Which means that the spirits, these these angels, are some place, and if they're here, they're not over there. Okay? Now, this is different from God. Because God is present in all places at the same time. Alright? So the angels are located someplace in place, in space. They're here or they're there. But they don't fill space. Why? Well, if you're possessed with one demon or if you're possessed with a hundred demons, it doesn't get any more crowded in there. Alright? So the, the, the demon, sometimes Jesus would cast out one demon. Sometimes he would cast out seven demons. Sometimes he would cast out a legion of demons, a thousand demons. All right? You, inside of you, have room for a thousand demons, right? So because so they, they, they don't fill space, but they are located in space. Wow. We just really have not much time to talk about this. Okay. So, um, what else do I want to mention before? Well, let's talk about some of the jobs of, of angels. So I was just talking about demons, so we know about them. Um, but the, the two main uh, 
purposes of angels, of the, the, the angels that are not fallen, are to be messengers and to be helpers. Okay, so in, uh, in the original language, both in Hebrew and in Greek, uh, the word for angel is just the word for a messenger. And so there are a couple of places in Scripture where it's not 100% clear, oh, are they talking about an angelic messenger or a, a human messenger? Okay, it's literally the same word and the context has to reveal it to you. So there are times when God wants to communicate with his people and he'll send an angel. Well, for example, that we saw that in the story of Lot. Okay, Lot is living in the city of Sodom. God wants to rescue him from the city of Sodom. God doesn't send just one angel. He sends two angels to deliver this message. All right. Uh, there's another uh, occasion, maybe you remember back in Acts chapter 10, where God is trying to get Cornelius and Peter together. Okay, Cornelius, a Roman soldier, and Peter, the apostle, they don't know each other, but God wants them to meet each other. And so God sends both of them angels with a message. And then they figure out how to meet up. So God has an appointment that he wants to set, and he does it through this angel. So sometimes God uses... Uh, angels as messengers, and sometimes God uses angels uh, also as helpers. Um, let me read you a couple of places. That, the, a part of what got me thinking about this was uh, in uh, the men's prayer breakfast, which meets every other uh, Saturday morning. By the way, if you're not involved in that, you should come out to a men's prayer breakfast. meets every other Saturday. We meet in the in the Boyer uh, from 9 till 10.30. But we're, we're working through the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews uh, verse 11, uh, verse 1, I'm sorry, and uh, verses 13 through 14, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The writer is trying to show how Jesus is so much more important than angels. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Let me read that for you again because this is actually an important verse. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Do you understand what that means? First of all, who, do, who is it? Who is it that's going to inherit salvation? Raise your hand if you're going to inherit salvation. That means the church. Okay, that's all of the saints. Okay, you want to know what angels are for? All angels are ministering spirits sent to serve who? The church. Okay, that's you. There are millions of angels that God has created. What's one of their jobs? To minister to you. All right. Now we've seen a number of ways in which uh, uh, angels have ministered to people uh, uh, in our just in our reading in Acts. For example, the story of, of Peter being uh, in prison and an angel coming to him and springing him out of prison. All right. One of the ways. All right. Wow. We don't have time to talk about all of these things. I think I'm going to circle back to this another time. Uh, here's what I want to do. I want to. Um, 
I want to just close in a word of prayer, and then we're going to go uh, to the Lord's table. Okay. Uh, Father God, we thank you uh, that you have created millions and millions of angels and that they are your messengers. We thank you that they minister to, to the saints, uh, to the people that you have redeemed here in this world. Uh, we thank you for uh, taking care of us uh, even in that way. Lord, I pray that uh, the truth of Scripture might uh, be um, just a, a foundational and a bedrock for us. I pray that we would believe in angels as much as Jesus believed in angels. And I pray because of that, we might live in a more interesting and a richer and a deeper world. Open our eyes to the reality that is all around us. This we pray in Jesus' name.